Uh, welcome to drboystv.com. This is the home for intelligent black people. Uh, so if you are black and intelligent and you want to do what's best for your community, uh, then uh, let us know. Uh, put hashtag B1 in the chat. Hashtag B1 means that you're black first. It means that you love your community uh, more than any other community. It means that you believe black people should receive uh, specific support uh, rather than generic support. Uh, you believe black people deserve uh, to be where we where we belong, which is as the greatest group of people on the planet. And uh, the man that uh, that I love to bring in on uh, Powernomics Thursdays uh, when he has the time to come in is Powernomics author Dr. Claude Anderson. Now, Dr. Anderson is the author of several books, including Powernomics, uh, Dirty Little Secrets 1 and 2, The Black History Re Reader, and uh, Black Labor, White Wealth. And so I want to ask my friend Dr. Anderson, how are you doing today, sir? Oh, I'm doing reasonably well for a poor black man. <laughs> well, it's so good to see you. And, uh, and everybody, please greet Dr. Anderson. Let, let him know how much you love him. Uh, you know, I'm going to tell you, in a world that is uh, pretty leaderless uh, for black folks, uh, we have to go to our superstars. And Dr. Anderson is, he's, our, he's like Lebr the LeBron James of the black community, as far as I'm concerned. He's going to help us start winning championships again. He's going to make black people great again. And, uh, and that's why I appreciate him. And so, uh, so let me, uh, so do me a favor as we get started with the conversation, please uh, hit the thumbs up button, share and subscribe button. If you haven't done that yet, please hit that thumbs up button, share and subscribe button. So uh, let's just jump into it. Let's just get started. So Dr. Anderson, uh, first off, I want to ask, I want to just throw out some stuff. I want to get your take on this. Uh, so we've got the elections coming up and there's a lot of, a lot of debate going on back and forth online. There's a lot of people trying to decide how we should approach the 2020 election. Um, I, I had uh, uh, the rapper Ice Cube on not too long ago, who has taken a strong interest in powernomics. Uh, Kanye West has taken an interest in powernomics. And, and there's a lot happening uh, throughout the world in terms of Black folks really waking up to uh, powernomics ideologies uh, so that we can actually make this election different from any other. Uh, what, what comes to mind immediately for you in terms of uh, what you're seeing with this 2020 election and what we should look out for? Uh, the biggest thing is that I'm, I'm just extremely disappointed in that throughout my political career, I made, a, made it a habit of trying to always uh, predict what was going to happen to black folk. And uh, almost every point I ever made, Dr. Watson, hit it dead on the time and the date and place. And like, like as I said, in 1974, I told him at that time that Hispanics, had, uh, everybody speaking Spanish had come together and going to try to form a his, national Hispanic party to be able to uh, displace black folk by the year 2000 and began to supplant them in everything. And damn it, they hit it right on the head. In 2000, black Hispanics reached the number they needed, the magic numbers, and they became and where black folk had been a majority minority for, 500, for 560 years. They then became a minority minority. And Hispanics became the largest majority in the country now in terms of voting power and, com and commercial power. That was an, an employment opportunity. I also predicted in, in the year 2000, that, if, that, that if, by, if black folks don't wake up and smell the coffee, that by year 2013, that they would be a permanent underclass. And guess what? In 2014, the United States Department of Commerce census predicted that black folk are now a permanent underclass. And a permanent underclass means those individuals who by, who are, who, whose position in the society has predicted they would wind up being beggars and criminals forever. We got locked into that by 2014. I predicted, told them that. I predicted also in, in, in 2000, that, um, that terrorism was coming to America. If you look at my book, The Dirty Little Secret Book, I'm not sure what page is on about, maybe on the top of the page in one, one of the first Dirty Little Secrets book, one page, like 170 or something. 
I said the terrorism was coming in America was coming on the wings, wings, and that's when so and that when that that when that that's that big uh, attack occurred on on 9/11, with the, with the Arabs blowing up, burning down the two buildings in New York, radio station in New York called me at the same time those plays were hitting those buildings and said, Dr. Anderson, how in the world do you predict this? You know, 15 years before it happened. And I said, I said, I'm because I, and I said, black folk didn't know the difference, but I said, that's, I told you that. And that's why in, on my last three or four programs that I had, I predicted that the four horses of apocalypse were coming to America, Dr. Watkins. It is here now. This whole, that, that's why, that's why the West Coast is now burning. As I said, you're going to have pestilence and, 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 and upheavals, social upheavals. And, and, that, and uh, that's why the West is burning. That's why the South now is being flooded and people are drowning. And the West Coast and East Coast is under a pandemic. And what that means is that, and that four horses, is the next thing going to come, it's going to be racial. You're going to have racial conflicts across this country. That's what that means. Also, in following that, that all these, these, these disasters right now, is going to be food shortages. Food shortages are coming next. And following those huge shortages, there's going to come water shortages. And following that, you're going to have people now setting up what I call, they call uh, new globalization, the extermination of a massive number of people. And so if we don't get this thing straightened in this coming election, they're going to try, there, there are groups across around the world going to try to extend to, to extinguish something like about 60 or 70 percent of the world's population. They're going to die. They're going to perish. 60 or 70 percent are going to perish. For the lack of those things, I'm telling you right now, water, food, substance, pestilence, and civil war and civil stripes, that's coming. And the black folk are totally ill-prepared. And I've told them over and over again what to do. And one of the first things I said to do is this, build your communities. The separate communities, they learn how to, how, to, how to close them and build your own economies in there and take care of your own econo economics, where you can create products, services, and goods, and jobs, and wealth-building opportunities for your own people. But unfortunately, they didn't do it. I told them to start preaching to everybody that you are exceptional people. That was way before the pandemic heard that you are special people. And I don't hear any Blacks going out saying that. None of the Black leaders are going to say that you are exceptional people. They still allow anything that comes out to be for everybody, not specifically for black folk. And all these other fabricated minorities are being equalized and compared to black folk and talk about shared. And that's what the Democratic Party is messed up again, doing the same thing they've always done, is always take black folk for granted. And, put, and, and their entire plan for, the, for the, after this election is to come up with all these grandiose programs that they extracted out of the federal directory that it talks, talks about everybody. All they stuck in there was a, a, a two words, Afro-American, stuck it in occasionally in, 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 the, in, the, in, the, in the writings to give the impression that somehow that was for black folk. Anything for, for, for everybody it means nothing for black folk. And so consequently, mm -hmm. that's where we are right now. The Democrats have a plan for after this election, but it's going to provide nothing for black folk, absolutely nothing. And as a matter of fact, that plan is an insult to black folk. Now, people say, well, Dr. Adams, when you say those kind of things, you're suppressing the black vote. Nope, I've never suppressed the black vote. What has suppressed the black vote was the United States Constitution. That's what suppressed the black vote. It's been suppressing the black vote now for 460 years. You know what else suppresses the black vote? A massive, unending influx of immigrants into this country. That's been suppressing the black vote. Right now, Hispanics now have surpassed you, and they are now bragging about it. I got three books from the Hispanic popular books. They call it a presumed alliance, where they say these black folk are absolutely crazy and think somehow we came to this country to ally with them. We came to this country to get over them. And so this election is going to have profound uh, uh, implications for black folk. And so in about a couple of weeks, 
I'm going to come on back on, the, on your show. I'm going to tell black folk the power numbers plan is this. I'm going to give them about nine or 10 things they should be doing. It'll be totally different from what the Republicans would be saying or the Democrats would be saying. I don't deal in superficialities, all this kind of majoring in the minor stuff. It'll be very structural things that says change the society, or you're going to have major race riots in the country between blacks and whites, because blacks will have one choice, either live or die or fight back, push back. Okay? Now, that's, I hope I answered your question. Yeah, you did. You really did. And everybody who just came in, I'm speaking with Dr. Claude Anderson. He's the author of the books, Powernomics, Black Labor, White Wealth, The Dirty Little Secrets 1 and 2, and The Black History Reader. His website is powernomics.com. So everybody uh, in the chat, if you could type in uh, powernomics.com so others can see the URL and use the hashtag powernomics. Uh, The hashtag powernomics, uh, that is an important discussion that we need to have in the community. The discussion is growing. Uh, every single week. And uh, speaking of that, you know, the, the ideas of black owned businesses, uh, building a black Wall Street, doing the things we need to do to fortify ourselves. Uh, Dr. Anderson, you know, recently, uh, you know, I've been speaking uh, to you and a few others uh, who are in, uh, quote unquote, who are typically mainstream kinds yeah. of <laughs> uh, You know, some of the rappers, you know, Kanye West, particularly, and Ice Cube in particular, who I'm very proud of. Uh, and they've taken a strong interest in powernomics. And uh, what, what really excites me is that. Uh, they, that they have they have these great big platforms and and I saw that Ice Cube did a great video I, I don't know if you saw it I got a uh, maybe I can find it and share it with you but he basically was saying that black people should make sure you get something for your vote and so he he went on his uh, Instagram page and he basically said something very simple that said look you should get something for your vote you know black support black businesses whatever it is they're going to do you should get something for your vote and I read the comments uh, underneath his video. And a lot of the comments were really nasty, really negative. There people were really offended by the idea of black people, particularly black men. I think this it shouldn't go uh, without being noticed that that black men are a big part of this charge. Uh, there, there are people that are offended by the idea of black men claiming control of their communities, black men claiming uh, leadership, uh, black men saying, you know, no, we're not going to go along with okie doke. Can you kind of speak to some of that? in terms of that, that, that negative response that, that, that we're going to get and just how we, could, how we should just move forward through that. The first thing I'm going to tell you is that you should anticipate that. There are always a, a flock number of people that always want to maintain the status quo. And, and that's one of the primary responsibilities of the black overclass. The black overclass don't mean only those who got money. It means those who've been miseducated and, and they join that black overclass. Their primary responsibility is to maintain the status quo on race matters in America and make sure nothing intrudes to change anything. If black folk have been in the lowest rung of a social acceptability ever since slavery, at the bottom of the rung, they have less than anybody. They have one half of 1% of anything of power and of value, absolutely no more than one half. And that's after 460 years, they're still stuck on one half of 1% of anything of value. And, they, and, that's, and that's, that, that means that white people right now they still hold pretty much the wealth that they had back during slavery. Back during slavery, the primary purpose of slavery was to systematically maldistribute 100%, Dr. Watkins, of everything of value in this country. And that is the basis of racism. Racism never existed until that, until that, until that maldistribution had occurred. We never had racism on the earth until after 17, about 1859. You never had racism. You had tribalism. You had you had religiousism, you had nationalism, 
you had a, you had all kinds of issues between two tribes and stuff, but you never had racism. Racism came in once that contest and people were competing to own and develop the land in the Americas, North America, Central America, and South America. And once slavery was, was, was injected and white folks and I had, had systematically acquired 100%, listen now, 100% of all the land, the resources, the wealth, the income, the businesses, the power, rights, privileges, and controls of all levels in government into the hands of the dominant white society. When that occurred about 1859, the same time Darwin came out about the survival of the fittest and the strongest, then when that came out, that's when racism came into existence. The race ended. Race is a contest between groups of people who are competing for the ownership and control of resources. I'm gonna say that to you again. Capitalism and racism is based on a very simple premise that came into existence at the same time. Whites now change it around, twist it so black folk would get confused and stay confused and be miseducated. But that's what it came into existence for. The race ended in, in 17 and 1859. When the race ended, that means that time, white folk were like, like 20 foot giants and blacks were like one foot midgets because everything was in the hands of the number of white society. Blacks owned and controlled nothing. They had no rights, no privileges. They were classified as property, just like land was property and whites could own them. They were not classified as citizens. They had no rights and everything had been maldistributed into the hands of the whites. And then following that, they began to social condition black folk to black folk to accept what racism was. And see what the whites did, then they took the word race, R-A-C-E, and took the E off of it. When they took when they took the E off of racism, they then they then they then added I S M. That's where racism came from. R A C I S M. Racism. Racism means maintain the status quo that exists between the two bodies of people at that time. The two bodies of people in this country that were competing was whites and blacks. I don't know why that's so hard to get into black folks' head. And uh, they, they think, well, we'll talk to us. It's for everybody. No, it wasn't. That's why I recently, in the federal page right here, right here on this sheet that I'm holding up, you can't see it. See, a little, see the line getting going up? See from here all the way up? Initially, there were only two groups in the country at that time. That was uh, blacks and whites. That was the only two groups of any consequence, blacks and whites. Well, and that time, Indians weren't even included. What year, what year is that from? Uh, this was August 13, 201. This is what I was saying. They finally put it out, saying, I'm so here's what that Dr. Anderson is saying. That time, you had two groups. You had, you had, you had these about five and a half million black folk at that time, and you had the rest of whites. Indians weren't included in anything. Indians were, not, Indians were not included. They were put into a special protected category. And so you didn't have any, there were, at that, in the, when the Civil War ended, you only had something like about 4,000 his so-called Hispanics, they would have called Mexicans and Chicanos at that time, in the entire United States. Only 4,000. Only 4,000. At that time, but you had, guess what? You had five and a half million Blacks. But when Hispanics said, we're going to close this power down, loop down, well, we're going to displace those Black folk. We're going to displace them, as I told you in 1974. And by the year 2000, we're going to take black folks out. And so, by, and so, so from, 19, from 1866, the end of the Civil War, to the year 2000, guess what? The Hispanic population went up, Dr. Watkins, from 4,000 to over 100,000. 
because they were pouring into the country then. They, they'd never been subjected to slavery. And what most people don't know is that Hispanics were the third, third greatest enslavers of black folk around the world. Everybody has enslaved black folk. Now, don't just pick on white Europeans. If you're gonna pick on white Europeans, you gotta get everybody. Because you see all these other groups in America are classified as whites. Blacks don't even know that. You got all these educated blacks with all these damn degrees, master's degrees, doctor degrees, in, in professional areas. And they don't even understand that. At this country right now, by federal registers, they classify anybody coming to this country except black folk as being whites. You know why? Because all the wealth that was maldistributed in this country to slavery, it went under the logo of whiteness. Whiteness. Anything, that's why everybody wants to be white. They're branded. Hispanics on that sheet I just showed you. Hispanics over in this end. Hispanics didn't come into the, were they included? Onto way over here. And with Hispanic, when they, in 1970, when I was in the, with, with, with President Carter in the White House, that's when his, was his, when Hispanics ceased right there being, they ceased being Hispanics and they, when they wanted to be called minorities. Because mm -hmm. that way they said, black folk only got any benefits, we want to share in them. Even though we haven't suffered, we, didn't, we, we have never been enslaved. As a matter of fact, we were enslaved-ers. We enslaved blacks. Blacks were the victims. But if they get anything, we want to get some of it too. So they could begin to, so they begin to call, classify themselves as minorities. And guess what? You look at that, look at the front page of the Black History Reader. Same thing with Asians. Asians didn't start pouring into this country until about 1970. After, after that 1965 civil rights law, law was enacted, 1965, 1966. Our civil rights leaders sat there on their dead asses and let them, take, let them classify all these immigrants as being equal to black folk. The most, the greatest thing you can do is try to pretend that somehow equals, that, are, that, that people that are unequal are classified as equal. So they started mm -hmm. classifying all these fabricated minorities, women, gays, Hispanics, Arabs, Asians, classifying them as minority or people of color so they can be equal to black folks. If any bag of money comes out or any money goes on the counter, has to be divvied up with them split up and die with them. And Obama did the same thing with the, with the, with the Indian lawsuits that I'm, I'm opposed to. And I'm pushing my own version of the blacks, black Indians and the black freedmen. So anything goes on the table, they divide it up between those groups. Those groups have no link. Here's my point, and I'm gonna get off this subject. There's no link between, between fabricated minorities having a constitutional right. And the Supreme Court knew that, they knew that. But in 1965, when I was civil rights leader, was meeting in, meeting in Washington with Martin Luther King and John Lewis and all the rest of these civil rights leaders, when, when white folks, white women went down and took the 1964 act, they call it an Opportunity Act, that President Johnson was proposing, they went in and said, look, don't make that thing strictly for black folk. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta put women on there. But see, at that time, there's nothing in the Constitution talked about women, genders, and all those things. Those things were added by white women who demanded, who demanded, went to the court, say, put gender on and sex discrimination, gender discrimination. And, and, and discrimination is not racism. Every human being has to discriminate. You gotta discriminate to make decisions. If I can't discriminate, I can't make a decision. If I can't, if I can't, I can't be prejudiced based on what I've seen and loved, then I cannot make a decision. I cannot be biased. That's not, all those things are racism. 
but I'll stop there because I'm, I'm preaching to you. But let me, let me break the stop. Well, I, I think those are good points, and I want to actually uh, drill in a little bit deeper. And, uh, and actually, before I ask the next question, everybody, uh, this is Dr. Claude Anderson. Uh, his books are Powernomics, Black Labor, White Wealth, uh, The Black History Reader, Dirty Little Secrets 1 and 2. His website is powernomics.com. That's powernomics.com. All of our kids need to read these books. Uh, if you want to help the community, buy a bunch of the books and give them away to people who can't afford them. Uh, this is this is this is our economic Bible. Um, I, I I know what I know, but uh, he knows things I don't know. He can do things I can't do. Uh, that's why I will always pay homage to Dr. Anderson and uh, make sure that's 100% clear. So buy his books before you buy mine. <clears throat> the website is powernomics.com. And uh, it, in fact, I met two little girls this weekend who, uh, who, who uh, I, I just I just adored them. They were the granddaughter of my best friend, Greg, who was murdered in Louisville in, in uh, 1996. So I kind of look out, you know, check on his family for him and everything. And, and so I met his two granddaughters and the sweetest little nine-year-old, nine and 10-year-old girls. And they said, uh, they said, we heard you wrote a book. And I said, I said, yeah. They said, well, what's the name of your book? I said, why do you want to know the name of my book? You're nine years old. And, uh, and then she said, I want to know about your books. I said, well, okay, well, before you read my books, I'm, I'm going to send you a copy of Powernomics because that's the first book I, I think you need to read as a child. So I'm sending them my books and I'm sending them copies of Powernomics because I think this needs to be uh, something that is introduced to our children at an early age because we have to counter just the same way you use uh, coronavirus vaccines and to counter the, the the infection well you've been infected with white supremacy you are most of y'all have caught the virus of white supremacy you've caught that infection that makes you lead believe led to believe that the white man's ice is colder so we are the doctors that are here with a cure uh for the community so we want as many people to get the vaccine as possible so read power knowledge have your kids get introduced to empowering ideas as opposed to the disabling ideas that they get in the public school system so i want to ask you this dr anderson okay um, you know you you mentioned something that was really interesting to me you talked about a, a couple of things you talked about the 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 benefits that people seek when they want to align themselves with blackness, you know, when, and, and again, you talk about the democratic party plan. I'm glad you, you discussed that. Uh, when I read it, you know, for example, I read ice cubes contract with black America, uh, which, which I appreciated because it was very specifically black. It has specific solutions. It was well, well done. And then I looked at Joe Biden's plan, which really came off like a McDonald's commercial to me. It really came off as something that was as generic as possible. Uh, a McDonald's cheeseburger and an order of fries is not the same as a home-cooked meal that's designed, you know, specifically from your, for your culture, for your people to keep you healthy. So uh, with that said, though, you talked about benefits of aligning with Blackness, so all this diversity, the economic benefits they, they get taken. Uh, it made me think about a story that I covered uh, just today, actually. There was, this is the third time this has happened in the last couple of years where there was a, a professor at the University of Wisconsin, uh, or a grad student teacher, something like that, who basically had to resign because she was pretending to be Black. She just put it, what they asked on the application, what, what's your ethnicity? She wrote black. And then uh, two weeks before that, there was another teacher at George Washington University who got busted for pretending to be black. A couple years, a few years before that, you had a lady named Rachel Dolajal, who was another university instructor who uh, basically got busted for pretending, pretending to be black. And so I said, why all these professors run around here lying about being black? And it made me think about what you talked about, like with $5 Indians and stuff like that, that people want those benefits, that there are economic benefits that come with stealing blackness. It, but only aligning yourself with it 
as, as long as you need to to get what you want, but you don't really want to truly be black. You just want to be black when it's beneficial economically. So, right. so is that kind of what you're talking about? Yes, sir. That's definitely what I'm talking about. And so that's been going on all the way back. That's why that's, 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 why, that's why there's a difference between, uh, that's between what I would say and uh, what I would say and what either the Democratic Party or Republican Party does say. What I would say and what the Democratic Party and the, and the Republican Party would say. See, I don't play those games. I'm too old and I don't have the interest or the patience or the energy to play games with people anymore. Now, if they don't like what I say, that's tough. That's tough. I don't care. But what I'm telling you right now is the point is that everybody's, all, all these strategies from all these so-called liberal blacks, as well as the conservative blacks and the white society, they've taken all these policies that should have been for black folk and they've abused them and corrupted them. Like the whole civil rights movement is nothing but a corruption now for what it should have been. I've told you that before. It's a corruption. The civil rights movement should have, civil rights was for black folk, for black folk, B-L-A-C-K. It was not for African-Americans, it wasn't for Jamaicans, it wasn't for Chinese or, F, or Muslims or anybody, just black folk. And it was, and it was sort of be reversing the Dred Scott decision of 1857. Reversing, because why? Because see, the Supreme Court, when their racist ways said in 1857 in the Dred Scott decision, in the court before the courts, he said they ruled that, that black people, that black people had, now listen now, I didn't say African-American about it, I said black people had no rights that white people were bound to respect and appreciate because in, this, in the Constitution, the whole point of slavery was to transfer everything into the hands of whites. The land, the labor, the property, wealth, money, businesses, every opportunity, rights and privileges were to be transferred into the hands of white society. So white black folk had no rights. Now, that was in 1857. Now, when, when the Civil War came in 1860, and after the fighting was over, and, 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 uh, and you had a few radical Republicans who were, who were whites, and they just said, and, and God knows you can't keep, the, you held these people down for 360 years. you got to try to do something to give them something before you set them free. And so the first civil rights law in 1865 was trying to reverse the Dred Scott decision of, 1850, of 1857, which says blacks have no rights. And so what they said is that in this country, we must enact some laws. It's some laws that would give black folk a snowball's chance of trying to make it. And that's why they enacted what you call the 13th Amendment, the 14th Amendment, the 15th Amendment, and the civil rights laws. All four of those things were for strictly and solely for black folk. But my people right now, either, either because of the, they're, they're not particularly noted for some of the intellectual facility or just intellectual, intellectual laziness, or no balls, they keep letting everybody else go in and take those things from them. Just like you say, they take it off the table and everybody else uses it and then turn around and get on it. When they take all of it from black folk, then use it against black folk. They use the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment against black folk. Talking about black folks' su suppression. And uh, when, when, they, when you look, if you go to the Constitution, you find out the second, uh, in, in, this, in, the, uh, in the 14th Amendment, the second clause there says if anybody suppresses you, that they, that, they, that they will lose almost all their damn votes in election, in a national election. If, you, if, if Trump, anybody else, or, 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 or George Wallace, anybody, takes away black folks' right to vote, that you can, that you can strip them of all the votes they got in that damn election. That, that's, that's clause two in the, second, in the 14th Amendment. I have not, and I call it the, what I call 
the, the, uh, the, the big bomb, the atomic bomb for, for voting and racism. And I've never in 80 years ever heard one black person who's supposed to be so intellectual. They sit in all these programs every day on the news and on these, on these panels and discussion. Not, none has ever brought that up. You don't have to worry about no damn voter, voter suppression. All you do is go to the 14th Amendment and look at the second, second clause. It says very specifically, for every black youth that you, that you suppress, that you're going to pull that many votes away from the person in for a national election, for the president, the vice president, for, for uh, uh, state senators, the state congressmen, you take that out of them, suck that away from them. I wouldn't worry about it. Just go out and count how many damn blacks were suppressed. But, I, but my people are so darn intellectually lazy, they won't get out and start reading this stuff and understand it. But I put it all in my book so you could understand it. And that's why they get away with it. And, and that's why the, and the, and the uh, civil rights laws. Those civil rights laws were for black folk. But then again, the black, again, the white northerners got together after, after the end of the Civil War and said, you know what? We, we know you were right. Uh, the war should be over and black folk should be, should be uh, uh, given some consideration. And uh, so they took a national poll and found out in, 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 during the Civil War that 98, Dr. Watkins, 98% of all the whites in America were totally adamantly opposed to freeing blacks for slavery. Totally opposed to it. Totally opposed. 98%. Did 98%. And that, 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 was, that was 150 years ago. And the last polling I could be able to get my hands on, a national survey, you know what it says now? That now the hatred for black folk, the distaste for black folk, is no longer 98%, is down to 88%. That means, and I, so that means, that means just think now, Dr. Watkins, that the, uh, <clears throat> my research and stuff I give black folk in these books, that the hatred for black folk among er, er, immigrants, because all these immigrants are classified as white now, that's what, that's what I was showing you on this set, that mm-hmm. now at 88%, that means that in 150 years, the hatred for black folk only went down 10%. 10%, it took 150 years to go down. And yet I got all these civil rights laws, well, we're gotta, you know, we're gonna love each other, we're all together. Where you get that crap from? <laughs> and, all we all together. And, see, and see, they, 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 want, they want to recognize blacks as being exceptional. Say, look, we are an out group. We are a hated and despised out group. Damn, trying to get along with everybody else. Try to get along with your own self. Come together and try to recapture that which was taken away from you during slavery, which was social cohesiveness. Take a, go back and cohesively put yourself together based on who you are, your culture, your taste, your preference, your people, your business, your community, and buy and support and protect your own people. We're trying to save the damn world and get along with everybody. I don't mean hating about it. Don't go out and fighting about it, hurting about it. But start loving your own people and understand that racism is a team sport. Racism is a team sport, and whether you like it or not, if you those people you talk about, the black ones that want to always talk about, we don't we, we don't want blacks to own anything. Tell them to go to hell and say that God has arbitrarily assigned you to a skin color team, whether you like it or not. If you don't play as a team, you lose by default. Mm. And when you get these sambos talking about, well, you shouldn't you shouldn't be trying to let black folk be in control or nothing, because the because the original uh, constitution says that whites should only control everything, and blacks don't need to only control anything. Because if they did get in control, they'll mess it up. They'll mess. Why would they mess it up? Because you know they're black, and, and black folk don't do anything right. And I tell them, let me tell you one thing. My books, those five books that that the blacks buy, Powernomics books says this: that black people have never never been any more nor any less than what white people want them to be. And all those sambos you see all on TV, 
somebody, I, I teach, I teach African American history at this university, this university. What do you know about racism? I don't know a damn thing, but I'm going to speak up for white folks, though. <laughs> so I, I got used to all that BS. Don't you worry about that. You, you stay as black as you want to be. All right. Well, uh, everybody in here uh, who agrees, who's black, uh, type hashtag B1 in the chat. Hashtag B1 means that you are black first. You don't care what anybody thinks. Uh, also, I'm speaking with Dr. Claude Anderson. Dr. Anderson is the author of the books, Black Labor, White Wealth, uh, Powernomics, Dirty Little Secrets 1 and 2, and The Black History Reader. Uh, if you have not uh, taken a look at his books at uh, at powernomics.com, then uh, you should go take a look at powernomics.com. He has a whole library pack with all five books and the DVD for $99. So feel free to go check that out. And uh, also hit the thumbs up button. If you haven't hit the thumbs up button, please hit the thumbs up button because you guys know that that helps in the algorithm. Uh, you all know that the community needs to hear this message and we are fighting against uh, a big adversary. You know, you got media out here that's feeding a whole different narrative. Uh, media is out here telling black folks something that's a lot of things that are not going to benefit you. And so we need to support and boost and uplift those who love us, those who can teach us, those who can make us better. And we need to walk away from those who want us in the same old predicament and the same old nonsense. So let me uh, jump in, Dr. Anderson, and, and I'm going to break, I'm going to make a point And then I, I, I know you're going to have something to say on this. So I'm not even going to really frame it as a question. I'm just going to make a statement and then I'd like for you to kind of uh, jump in wherever you feel comfortable. Um, I, I looked up uh, uh, a recent, uh, or not so recent, maybe two or three years ago, news article, where I read that Al Sharpton, no disrespect to Al Sharpton, but, but, but his name came up. They said that during the Obama presidency, Al Sharpton was invited to the White House about 84 times. And I said, it's kind of surprising to me that that with all the economic problems that black people have, that you would invite Al Sharpton to the White House 84 times, but not invite Dr. Claude Anderson once. Dr. Claude Anderson, if, if I'm not mistaken, at that time, you lived not too far from the White House. You lived right there in D.C. And it wouldn't have been, you know, nothing but a little short little Uber ride or a little drive over to, to the White House. And, and, and you're one of the, the most respected economic thinkers in history, not just in the country, not just now, but literally in the history of, of this country. And, and, and so, with, you know, my opinion is that when you're solving the problem, when you, when you claim to be solving a problem, but you're not talking to serious people, then you're not really serious about solving the problem. You know, mm -hmm. it, it, this is not anti-Al Sharpton. It's not anti-anybody. This is really, uh, you know, in a way, I saw this as a, a situation where, when you really don't want to do something, you'll find any excuse not to do it. It's like, like when uh, Alicia, my fiance tells me to go clean the kitchen and wash the dishes, I'll find any excuse. I'll say, well, I would have, I would have uh, washed the dishes, but I could only find one sock and I need two socks to go wash the dishes. So I, that's why I couldn't get it done. Right. So, so it almost seems to me that part of the role of the black elite, which is why the black elite, we have to watch out for the black elite is that the black elite's job is, as you mentioned, to maintain the status quo. Their, their job is to do a whole lot of nothing, to, but make you think that doing nothing is the same as doing something. Make That's you think right. they really did something when nothing gets done, nothing changes, nothing moves forward. I, I'm, I can't help but wonder if there's a history to that. You know, you're a history expert. Is there a history to the Black elite being used to control the masses of Black people so that we don't really actually ask for anything in exchange for our votes and our money? Yes, that, that is. That uh, that was done starting 
I think initially, initially, initially they that, that started with a uh, that started in about I guess about eight about seventeen about late seventeen nineties when I when black folk were all enslaved, but few blacks began to express an interest in learning, learning picking up some acquiring some religious spiritualness in their own in their own communities in their own families, and that started so few of them started going to church with white folks, riding to church with white folk. And, uh, and, and the white folk would then make them sit in a separate section in the church, used up in the balcony, while the whites sat down on the main floor. That went on in, in from about eight, about eight, seventeen ninety-seven up until about about eighteen eighteen. By eighteen eighteen, the pressure began to mount on white folks to be able, because black folks were saying we want to have our own ministers. We want to have our own ministers. And so at that point in time, they said, okay, we let you have your own ministers, but we have to pick them. We got to pick the ministers. We've got to make sure these people is about as safe as 20 times safer than a, than a birth control pill. <laughs> Which means there's absolutely no way, there's no way, there's no way you can accidentally get pregnant on this. And so, but the white said, we got, and therefore we have. <laughs> now, see, if you keep laughing, I can't get this point out. <laughs> I'm sorry, that, that, that was funny, but go, go, go ahead, go ahead, because we don't okay. want, we don't want black people to be pregnant with possibilities of that's pregnant, right. pregnant with ideas now. Go, go, right. go ahead. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so then, so they started picking the minister. They said, "Now what we got to pick? We got to pick the, we got to pick the, pick the, the, the dumbest black we can get our hands on, and then and embed him with some some spiritualism called calisthenics." And uh, so what uh, what they did? Then they they gave him uh, a sheet saying that they learned black blacks. He had to learn it. Said, uh, "Who brought you into the world? God did." Who told? Who made you a slave? God did. Who who you working to, most for? Uh, to on this farm, godliness. And so they know where everything they blamed. It. So they gave credit to God. They had these ministers to teach this thing, and black folk became very humble. And so your leadership then became first leadership started coming out of the out of those churches that were that the, that the, that the, uh, that the uh, whites picked, chose, and led. And they said, and to, to the present time, they still got whites still going to all the black churches during the, during the voting period. To go in there and buy the and buy the black vote, and then have the minister step in front of the congregation and says, "Y'all got to do this, y'all got to do that," and so that was the first black leadership. Then later on, it moves it moved from from the religion over to uh to uh to to politics, civil civil rights, and that came out after the Civil War, and uh and so the leadership began to come out of the civil rights movement, and uh uh and and, and coming out the first time it broke was in uh in North Carolina. When a, when a bunch of black folk went to St. Paul's church down there and demanded that that st- stop teaching us about a pie in the sky after death, they started doing something for us. And so, and 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 that so that out of that they raised so much cane at St. Paul's church, and they said, okay, we're gonna we, we'll start quit picking the, picking the ministers. We'll start picking civil rights leaders. So they started picking civil rights leaders. And after that, later on, uh, as we got into the 1900s, after the Black Power movement, uh, they started picking the elected black elected officials to be your leaders. And uh, so black elected officials became the leaders. But then I found out in 1960, when I did a study, that they accomplished absolutely nothing of consequence. That I looked at, I did a, I did a social discomfort indicator. You see, we had only 103 black elected officials in, 19, in 1960 at that time, began, when it moved from, from civil rights, I mean, uh, leader over to, to the black elected officials. And I said, I want to see what they had accomplished. So I measured it. In terms of social discomfort indicators like welfare, food stamps, criminality, no money, no businesses, nothing. And I did the same study in 1990 to see what had happened because by 1990, the number of black elected officials had gone up as leaders 
from about 103 all the way up to over 9,000, Dr. Watkins. And I said, if a 9,000% increase, then we should have black folks should be floating on cotton, okay? And so then I looked at them and looked at the discomfort indicators, and guess what? Blacks didn't go forward with a 9,000% with increase. They went backwards. And I found there was, no, there was no connection between putting a black person in office, whether appointed or elected, and black folk getting benefits. And so black leaders that went into office would always tell you right up front that if I get elected or I get appointed, I will not do anything for black folk. Now, where did that come from? That came out of the, uh, the, the uh, centennial thing that came in 1870 after the Civil War and, after, and during Reconstruction. But White said, we're going to let y'all have a few jobs now after the Civil War in, in public service, either as postmen or, or, or janitors or working in a public office or as, as a policeman or a sheriff in your own little neighborhoods. And, but you want three things you cannot do. You cannot get into your public office and talk about black folk as a whole, as a race. You cannot talk with about like a race. You got to stay with individualism. That way we keep your ass outnumbered by our one, your one to our millions. So you can't achieve anything that way. That was the first thing. You cannot talk about groupism. And two, you cannot talk about anything that's specifically black because they knew that blacks were exceptionals in this, in this society. Blacks have been treated like and mistreated, maltreated like no other group in, this, in the history of this nation. And they say, you can't talk about what has happened to you in the past. And, uh, and thirdly, they say, you cannot, try to, you cannot try to hold white folks accountable for what they've done to you for 360 years in terms of reparations. And so as soon as a black person get appointed or, or elected to an office, the first thing you're going to declare, just like right now, anybody runs, with, runs for a public office, the first thing they're going to say, we're going to get elected. We're going to, we're going to take care of everybody. That defeats the whole purpose of voting. Why in the world would you go vote and you're going to take care of every damn body? You're supposed to take care of the people that put you in office. But, but Democrats, particularly, they use black folks as, as, as an absentee when the benefits come and take them for granted when they're voting. And nobody ever put any benefits to them. They want black folks to always believe that they got an obligation to be like Christ-like, to, be, to hang themselves on the cross. They take care of everybody else. They carry the water for every group except their own group. Stay away from taking care of their own people, but carry the water for everybody else. And that, and, that, and that's one of the philosophies the white folks put on black folk. You gotta be, you gotta be, you gotta be beyond trying to help your own people. Don't you ever get caught helping your own people? And that's, and, and they, and they practice that right now. So you watch any person running for office. I don't care if it's running for a presidential seat or a vice presidential seat, or running for any congressional office, Senate or Congress. They're always going to pretend that their responsibility is to take care of their own people, and that's what makes the difference. See, I used to tell black folk back in 1960 about when we started the Congressional Black Caucus that time up there, that you're supposed to be looking at the black folk in the Congress as a Congressional Black Caucus. And, uh, and guess what? In, in, in 47, 47, almost 50 years, guess what? They have yet only done one time trying to effort, trying to do something specifically for black folk. They thought it was a black folk. That was to get Martin Luther King's birthday enacted as a, as, as a special national holiday. They don't do anything for black folk. They're always so busy trying to carry water for everybody, for whites, Asians, Arabs, handicaps, gays, midgets, humpback, lesbian, one-eyed, one-leg, anybody but black folk. And that's why, that's why I showed you this sheet. Let me put it up one more time. In the far corner right here, you see that there's only, there was only two groups over here, blacks and whites. Now, see how it keeps, it gets, keeps getting larger? Can you see that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you see how, see how I go? Here's black. And, and, as, yeah, now, this was in 19, yeah, this is in the 1800s. See See, yeah, right there. It keeps getting larger. A little they bit keep... higher, Dr. Anderson, if you can. Can you hold it up a little bit higher? Like straight up. There we go. Can you see that? 
Yeah, over here, that's, that, that's, that's where it was on, only just blacks and whites and a few Indians. But see how, how long it got on this end over here? This is all these fabricated minorities that they've now made up that are competing for blacks for resources. And that's why all this stuff between gender and, and, and subgender, makeup of the gender. And that's why all these Asians and Arabs come in this country and they go by black folk at 100 miles an hour. And one last point on that before I get off, I know, you, I know you, you're set for time now, but, but this is that, see, those groups coming to this country, they're going to always suppress black folk because of this sheet. This is the federal register and date. When I, was with, when I was with President Carter, they called and asked me, so Dr. Anderson, now his Hispanics in 1970, they want to they, they call, call a minority. I said, why? Well, because uh, uh, they think blacks are going to get some benefits and they want to be able to, to, to challenge blacks on the benefits and, and, uh, and get them. And so, what, so Hispanics started saying, now that they're the majority population, blacks can't get anything unless it passed through the, through the, through the hands of, of, of Hispanics first. And if, if anything left over, it'll trickle down to black folk who are beneath them now. And see, black, I don't hear the blacks in the Congressional Black Caucus raising hell about that. Instead, they're, out there promoting more damn immigrants coming into the country. Immigrants coming, this, inter, immigrants coming to this country looking for benefits, what you said a few minutes ago. They're looking for benefits. You're not coming to look for no damn right to vote. Who thinks that an immigrant is going to come to America for the right to vote? He could have stayed in his own country and voted. That's not what he's up. He's over here looking for benefits. And yet, I, and I, it, it hurts me to my heart to have always taught history as a forensic historian, whether it's in a university or down in the fifth grade levels, to get people to see it. Somebody, well, the immigrants came here because they're looking for, 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 for religious freedom. That's bull crap. They came here looking for the free load. Every immigrant and their ancestors came here for one simple reason. Here's the word. Nobody uses it, except maybe Dr. Boyce in the future. It's called freeloading. Freeloading, coming to a place and getting something and not putting anything into it. Getting unearned benefits. That's what slavery was about, getting unearned benefits. You come to America to get what? Free land and free, free labor. That's called the American dream. All these Hispanics come here. All these Europeans, let's go with all the Europeans. All these Europeans came here from Germany, France, England, all these whites now that are racist you see in the South, these Southern states, they came to talk about what they've done. They haven't done a damn thing. All the land they got, all the business opportunities they got, all the education levels they got through, through Jim Crow segregation, everything they got, they got it by freeloading. Black mm -hmm. folk are doing the hard labor and the work. And so black folk are denied everything. And But see, but as you go through this group, now black folk out here competing, trying to figure out how they can get something and, that, and, and the other groups are competing with them. Talking about, well, uh, yeah, you, you shouldn't get anything because I'm, I'm a poor white. Poor whites right now got 10 times more wealth than a poor black person. Most blacks don't even know that. Always talk, we got to help poor people. We got to erase poverty. How are you going to, first of all, you can't even, it is impossible. It is totally, absolutely impossible to eradicate poverty. But always got some civil rights leader mouthing, it's these platitudes about, we got to eradicate poverty. We got to have a war on poverty. How the hell do you have a war on poverty? Poverty is a fix. It's a given. It's a given concept. It's just like poverty is the absence of richness. And poverty is absent, like north is the opposite of south. East is the opposite of the west. They always want to take and try to take some broader, ambiguous term and try to use it. to say, we're going to, when you black folk, we're going to eradicate poverty. And, and I said, now how in the hell blacks ain't that damn stupid? And the Bible says the poor will always be with us. But blacks go for that okie doke. And so in this come, upcoming election, in, in about two weeks, I'm going to come back on your program. I'm going to lay out some things that black folks should be focusing on. And quit, quit letting people trick you all the damn time. But remember what I told you from the get-go. You made a big mistake. Went for, went, for, went for two years, Dr. Watkins, 
two years, I mean, almost 20 years, I told black folk, get yourself a black political party because mm-hmm. these all bad things are coming. Get your own political party so you can be resting on, on somebody else's gratitude for your for what you do, for your vote. You don't, you don't care about, you ain't voting for a damn thing. My power number says vote for nothing, support nothing that won't support you and your people. Don't support an organization, a business, or a political party, or a candidate that won't support black folk. And yet, watch these black folk. They're going to go out and vote instead. I want every black to vote. I want every black to vote. I'm not against voting. I want all of you to vote. But vote in your own self-interest and for your own people first. And quit going for the okie doke. Quit let white folk trick you or all these immigrant groups trick you and make you carry their water. Because there's old sayings that you heard me say before. That with the farmers I learned from the, being in farm country, you got a lot of heavy stuff to move. You got only got two mules, and they, what the rule was that the that the willingness jackass would carry the heaviest load. And in this society right now, and all these groups I just showed you on the federal pages, going from the lowest all the way up to the from the lowest over here all the way to the highest, they are carrying the water for all these groups. You're the one carrying the water for the Muslims, mm. the Arabs, or the Asians. Asians ain't carrying a damn thing. None of those people are going to, you have never seen one of those groups march yet to get benefits for black folk. Mm. Okay. Well, okay, we, so we, I'm going to stop there. Well, no, that's, that's an excellent point. Uh, everybody, uh, I'm speaking with Dr. Claude Anderson. He's the author of the books, Powernomics, Black Labor, White Wealth, uh, Black History Reader, Dirty Little Secrets 1 and 2. Uh, his website is powernomics.com. Uh, I think that all of your children should read these books uh, early. Um, I think that we need to learn from people who are going to teach us what we need to know. And also, um, I had spoken with Dr. Anderson. I've been talking to him about this for a while. And uh, finally, he and his wife agreed to actually do a, a Poweronomic certification class <clears throat> in partnership with the Black Business School. So we're going to actually have a Poweronomics class that you can sign up for if you're interested. Uh, we're going to start in two weeks on October 1st. Uh, I'll make the announcement uh, through an email. So if you want to get on the email list, and also you can pick up a free copy of my book, It Takes a Village to Raise the Bar, just sign up on the email list at allblackeconomics.com. Somebody type that in, please. That's allblackeconomics.com. And uh, I'll send you out an announcement when it's ready. Uh, But we're going to basically do something. It's going to be a small group. We're not going to let a lot of people in. And uh, Dr. Anderson will answer questions. We're going to go through Poweronomics chapter by chapter. So if if that's of interest to you, uh, then make sure you get on our list. You can get on the list at allblackeconomics.com. So uh, hit the thumbs up button. Please hit the thumbs up button. Dr. Anderson, I have one more question for you before I let you go. Um, I was thinking about just uh, what you were talking about with the black elite and getting all these black elected officials, getting all these black politicians and not making any progress, just us not, you know, moving forward. And, and, uh, and, and you know what it made me think about a couple of things. Um, one was um, when you think about people choosing your leaders and, and that's something that's happened all throughout history. Somebody else has always chosen our leaders and they've always chosen our agenda. Whenever we got on the right path and had the right agenda, then somebody used whatever, whether it was media or the school system in particular. The, when they educate us and when they feed us our media, they create our leaders for us. They create our agenda for us. They reshape our culture and deform our culture. So in a way, it, it's almost like uh, I, I, I explained it using sports. I said, imagine if, if you were the uh, Los Angeles Lakers and you're trying to win a championship and you're about to play against the uh, – the Denver Nuggets or whatever. And the Denver Nuggets, uh, they get to pick your play your playbook. They get to decide what plays you're going to run. They get to decide who your starting five is. 
are they going to pick the best players to be in your starting five? Are they going to give you the best game plan that's actually going to help you win the game? No, they're not going to do that. They're going to pick the stupidest playbook that they that they could possibly come up with. They're going to pick the worst player on your team to be uh, on the court because they, they're going to keep the best player off the court. They want LeBron James as far away from the court as possible, and they want the little short, fat kid on the court because that's the person that's easiest to defeat. I see that happening when it comes to our leadership being picked by media, being picked by the educational system. We've got our leaders. We've got our strong black men and women, people like yourself, who are, uh, who are doing wonderful things for the community. And, 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 and they go out of their way to make sure that you're ignored. They went out of their way to make sure that yourself and, and, or Farrakhan or anybody who doesn't fit into the uh, toothless narrative they keep those people away, and then they replace them with these broken, weak, pathetic Negroes, ignorant Negroes. That's the first thing I thought about. So, so we got to stop letting other people pick our leadership. We got to stop letting other people pick our agenda. Uh, that's why ownership of media is so important, which I know is part of your uh, your, your your whole powernomics plan. The the second thing I thought about was this, and I think you're gonna get a kick out of this uh, because I know that you were the head of education for the entire state of Florida. I remember reading. Uh, about Baltimore, uh, a city that's had many black politicians. Uh, Democratic parties run a lot of those, uh, a lot of things in Baltimore. Uh, and they went and they went to, they took 13 high schools and thousands of children, thousands of children. They all took the math proficiency test. And do you know how many of these children at these schools passed the basic math proficiency test? Guess how many? I don't how have, many? have, I, don't have I, I, I know it'd be extremely low. not one child passed the math proficiency test not one thousands of our kids again educated in these in these school systems right uh democratic party elected officials uh black elected officials and and nobody thinks it's a state of emergency that zero children passed that the basic math proficiency test this says that the current plan is not working this says that whatever we're doing to this point it has to, the whole plan has to be scrapped and thrown in the garbage, and we got to get radical with this thing. Uh, based on those two things I described to you, uh, what comes to mind? What comes to my mind is <clears throat> to say that Baltimore is no different from all these other, excuse me, <clears throat> major urban areas <clears throat> like Detroit, Michigan. Yeah, we found that Detroit, Michigan, that only one half a percent, I mean, one half of the black folk to start first grade in Detroit, Michigan, ever graduate from, from, from high school. Only 50% will graduate in a major city that is 92% black. Only 50% will graduate. And, and worse than that, <clears throat> out, of the 50, out of the half that graduate, most of them are only reading at a fifth grade level. Of all the black kids that graduate from, from high school in Detroit, they're reading at a fifth grade level. <clears throat> that's a part of the game. And see, that's why, that's why <clears throat> my plan, the power numbers plan, it's totally different from the Democratic Party and from the, from the Republican Party. And let me give you, I'm going to give you, I, I, you know, I'm going to break one of my vows now. I'm going to give you about two, two or three points, period. I'm not going to discuss them, though, that, what, what would be power numbers. I want to show you the substance of what I would suggest that should be going on structurally, a structural redivision, uh, to redivide everything so that, so that you can go back and have what the Constitution said back in 1866 called reconstruct. Revise it so it's reconstructed. Don't go, but don't play all this stuff as, as normal. That's what the rest of them are going to recommend as an example. 
first, for instance, I would say, I, I told you, for black folk, black, the first thing I would say on my, on my demands, I said, make demands, don't ask for a damn thing. Even though, and I'm gonna show you how, how other groups, I'm gonna mention this right now on the air to you, and I guarantee you that within about another two or three weeks, it'll be showing up in everybody's, everybody's plan will be saying some of these things I'm gonna say to you now. I'm gonna give you three, because most of them, they're too intellectually lazy to do any research or having any creativity. And a create and creativity in most of these people's heads is like putting a marble in a barrel and rolling it around. <clears throat> Ain't nothing gonna come out. There's a lot of noise. <clears throat> Let me give you an example. The first thing I would be demanding for black folk now in this election, I would I would go to every party, Democrat and Republican, or the Green Party, or even the, the United We Stand Party, and say this to them: We're not gonna vote for it. We're only gonna vote for that those individuals of that party that promises and commits to take care of these demands that Dr. Anderson gave us. Okay, you're like point one. I demand that black folk push the candidates and their, and their respective political parties to, to, to say, to promise and commit to putting in a national permanent, establish a permanent office inside of the White House, the administration for native black American affairs. Okay, that'd be a, that'd be a, be a permanent desk in an office in the White House, just strictly dedicated to native black affairs in America, period. And their responsibility to be able to look out for black folks, look at all examine at all legislation and be examined and keep black folks posted. As, and they mix with no other group. I don't want any other group in that office. Right now, I know they got office just in there for the gays. Obama had, had two or three offices in there for gays. And then and they have something for Hispanics. I would say this is for blacks. I want a native black, affairs, not Afro-American, but a native blacks. There's a major difference between somebody coming in from Africa and somebody being native in America. And that's why I get a concern when people start talking about, I'm an African-American. I say, hey, let me tell you one thing. Everybody on earth is an African-American. Why would you keep using these broad, ambiguous terms like African-American when everybody on earth is an African-American? Why? Because the first human beings on earth came out of Africa. And whether you, whether you came or your ancestors migrated out of Africa and went to the east, or to the Middle East, or to Europe, or to, to North American continent. They are all descendants of Africans. They're all African-Americans of descent. I see some organizations say, we're only gonna represent people of African-American, of African descent. Every damn body on earth is a person of African descent. Who in the hell are you talking about? Quit using ambiguous broad words and have demand that office be set up in the White House for native black American affairs. A few blacks that live in Africa, 99% have been here before everybody else arrived. Black folk were de-Africanized. The Africanism was taken off of them when they put on that ship. They were brainwashed and subdued and stripped of everything black that was from Africa. They are, they are native black Americans. And that's the first thing I would say. I would demand that office. The second thing I would say to them, I'll let me give you a couple of other things. I would, I'm gonna give you three things I would say, and that'd be one. One, I would demand that first, that they go in and demand enforcement of the 1866 Indian treaties. That night is there on appeal court in the federal courts right now. And each time the whites keep jacking us around, talking about, well, you gotta solve this question. And what about this? What about that? They keep coming up with incidental things. And I can tell them in a second that you all are wrong. They've been complotting black folk right now according to the 1866 Indian Treaty with the five civilized tribes. Blacks are entitled to be treated in all manners similar to the same way Indians are treated in the country, those, even those $5 Indians. They're the, they're, that is mandated mandated by, 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 by congressional treaties 
A treaty is the highest law of the land, Dr. Watson. A treaty is the highest doctrine of land, and every level of government was mandated to treat black folk in all manners. And if they were to carry out those treaties, that's now in my court, in my court filings, black folk would be getting trillions of damn dollars right now. Because the core problem in America is not blacks don't have never had enough money and wealth to be able to do anything. Because it's all mouse distributed to everybody but black folk. You gotta focus first on wealth. That's the key to everything, is how much you own and control that determines your opportunities in America. That's the second thing. I'm gonna give you a third one too. I would say go, I want every right now, I want I want a, I want Congress to begin working on organizing a commission in Congress, a commission in Congress that was begin hold hearings and trying to identify depositors and the descendants of the black slaves whose money was ripped off in the, in the, in the, in the post-reconstruction period. You see, we had Freedman banks established all over the United States. Those banks were raided by, by whites that were appointed by Congress and executive branch to be over those blank, all those black banks. They had black Freedman banks in all these major cities. And those banks were holding $57 million. And I want that money and that money, we need to find out where that money is and make the government hold the money since the government appointed those people, those crooks that stole and robbed the money. The government is responsible for repaying that money at $57 million to black folk in present day value, which gets to get me into trillions of dollars. I've given you about two right there with toilet big money into trillions of dollars. Now, every black don't jump on this thing about reparation, but they don't know what the hell they're talking about. It's like the word. I so love the word, I have reparation. What, what? I don't know what we're going to reparate. Those white folks are going to trick their ass and say, hey, what are we going to give you reparations for? Mm. If, you, if you're an African-American, you just came into the country. I don't owe you anything. Nobody enslaved your parents in this country if you're from Africa. But the people that were, that were raised around here in America are the native black Americans. But those are three right there, and I got a whole bunch of others. I go up to about 10 or 20. But my things that I recommend are talking about money and restitution for black folk. So if black folk get all the money and resources they're entitled to, they don't need anybody's love. And like that song that woman had out, said, what's love got to do with it? You ain't got no, no damn love, what you need is some money. But anyway, I'll quit there because I know you're ready to get off now, but I want to make sure yeah, I get that. I, I love it. I, I think that's really important. I think that we, um, you know, talk is cheap. So if somebody can pay you with words, <laughs> and tell you how much they love you, you know, then uh-huh. it's all together money, then, then you're doing them a favor. And I agree. I, I think that we need to get our love from each other uh, because it, these people don't love you. And it doesn't matter if they love you. What matters is if they do right by you. So right. uh, who cares if they, if they spray paint black lives matter on the street and tell you how great black people are. I don't want to hear how great you think I am. I know I'm great. I don't need you to tell me that. I want right. you to cut the check. So uh, everybody who agrees, uh, put hashtag cut the check in the chat. Hashtag cut the check, cut the check, cut the check, cut the check. Uh, and so also, uh, this is, uh, I'm going to let Dr. Anderson uh, get out of here for today. Uh, but do me a favor, if you could, please hit the thumbs up button right now. Please hit that thumbs up button. Please share this video, uh, to, especially to the misguided Negroes in your life. We all got at least about five or ten. Uh, make sure that this becomes the new black media. Uh, this is the new black education. This is the new homeschool. 
right now. You know, I'll tell you what, the pandemic did wonderful things for black folks because uh, we are together in ways that we never would have been together before. We are educating each other on, on levels that we've never done before, and it's going to lead to great things, and it's all because uh, of, of what you all are doing with your family. So take this to your family. Take this to your children. Uh, share it on your social media. Uh, everybody, give me a yes in the chat if you can commit right now to just take this link and share it on your Facebook, your Instagram, or your Twitter. Give me a yes in the chat if you could do that. That really helps. White folks, the reason their movies get out there, they, you know, they, they get seen by millions of people is because they have distribution networks. We need to create a Black-owned distribution network. We can do it right here. Take this link. Give me a yes if you could do this for me. Just take this link and share it on your social media so everybody can hear this conversation uh, because Black freedom and power is something, once you see it, once you hear Powernomics, you, you, you never go back. Once you go black, you don't go back. Y'all know how, how that works. So thank you, Dr. Anderson. I want to say thank you very much. And I'm going to make sure everybody has your website too so they can go check out your books if they like to do that. Uh, the website is powernomics.com. That's powernomics.com. Also, uh, as I mentioned, on October 1st, we're going to begin a Powernomics class in the Black Business School. Dr. Anderson is going to lead the class. I will facilitate the discussion and, and, and bring in your questions, things like that. Uh, if you want to be on the mailing list when we make the announcement, uh, just go to All Black Economics. Economics.com. That's allblackeconomics.com. Get on the list. When it's ready, I'll send out an email. We'll take the first maybe 150 students or something like that. We're not going to go too high because I don't want the, I don't want to be overcrowded. So uh, so just feel free to go to allblackeconomics.com to get the alert. So thank you very much, Dr. Anson. I appreciate you uh, very much, my friend. Well, I thank you for inviting me on your program and tell your, your students to please look around and report back to you next week on how many, how many people that they, they hear uh, speaking in reference to some of the things I points I made pointed out to you today that they should be pursuing, and just like right now that, that the um, like I said about the, uh, the Congressional Black Caucus versus the Hispanic Caucus, Hispanic Caucus now made the front pages of Washington D.C. paper saying we're going to demand, we're going to demand, and they told me that the Alfredo Duran, one of the Bay of Pigs uh, Cubans back in the day when I was running President Carter's campaign in Florida, he said, Doctor, that's the biggest difference between us as Cubans and you as black folk, is y'all always beg and march. For some reason, we don't know why, but y'all just love to march and beg. They said, but we demand and overcome and overwhelm while we're overwhelmed while y'all are trying to overcome. And uh, so I'm saying right now, so, so, the Hispanic, so the Hispanic caucus demanded on the front pages of the Washington Post about two days ago saying that we're going to demand that Biden bring his butt down here to us, to the, to the Filipinos and to the... Uh, uh, to the uh, Puerto Ricans and to the Cubans and tell us what, what, what they're going to give us and we're going to demand certain things and all of it must have some monetary value or something that'll keep us above in the ranking order in this society. Now that's, that was on the front pages of the Washington Post. I thought I had the clip in here to show you, but I don't. And the second thing is that they, they again, they follow black folk in, in creating a Hispanic caucus that compete with the black caucus. And all black caucus does is just carry water for everybody else. And right now, I only think of one on that in that, in that caucus. I think it's worth a quarter, and that is uh, Maxine Waters. And the rest of them, they get, and that one, one woman got more balls than all the black men in the Hispanic, in the black caucus. And so, that, and I got more respect for her than any of the rest of them. They have, they're scared. I go up on the hill and demand they do something for black folk. You know what they'll do? Most of them break out to running, hiding in the bathroom, talking about, I'm in the John, I'm in the John. I said, yeah, you've been in the John ever since you were born. And so... <laughs> <laughs> well, I like that. I like it. instead of we shall overcome, it becomes we shall overwhelm. That's and right. that, 
I like that. That's a great powernomics philosophy, and that's what I'm going to stick with because I'm, I'm not begging nobody for nothing. Right. Um, and, you t- and demand, t- tell them to demand they go to the go to the to the Democratic Party and say, "Look, no more this shucking and jiving stuff." And Dr. Anna said, "We demand, and uh, we, we're in, we, we're going to try to vote in max." Because see, the Hispanics never Hispanics have never voted more than about forty-two or forty-three percent. Hispanics divide their vote. They put forty-three in the Democratic Party, and five in the, in, and about forty-three percent in the in the uh, Hispanic in the Republican Party. So they get double benefits because they know that both parties are giving them everything they need. But blacks go and put ninety-six percent of their heirs into the Democratic Party. Don't ever get a damn thing. Not even a good wish. A kiss, kiss on the back of the neck. So what mm-hmm. I'm telling you all is that play hardball. And say no, we, we're going to vote in Max. I want. And the doctor Adams said we should have had a black party, political party. Then, but we could have really had some power. If y'all, if blacks had organized into a political party, as I told them 20 years ago, right now, right now, right now, they they could control this damn election. They could control the election right now. If they if they had gotten that damn political party up like I told them to. But I understand that the poor blacks and street blacks they can't do it because they don't have any leadership. And I've got one black leader that I can think of now. It's, Except a couple of them, I can only think about two or three in the country that I would call a leader. The rest of them are just flunkies out there pretending to be something that they're not. They're not leaders. They don't have a plan. They don't have a, they don't have a single idea of what to do for black folk to elevate them and make them a competitive group, how to build their communities, how to get wealth and resources in those communities and create an economy. They don't know how to do it. We, they sit up on, they sit up getting a big ass salary someplace in Washington, D.C. But I love them anyway. I love black folk. And, I, and I, I'm going to go right now and sit down and cry because I just, I'm, I'm always touched and hurt that I can't get me any black leaders in this country that will stick up strictly a soul for black folk. Don't hate, don't hate anybody else. Don't hate anybody else. Just learn how to love and respect and appreciate your own people. Just like I, just like I told you as a pilot, and I don't fly, but I don't fly anymore. But I always tell them, if, if, if we lose cabin pressure at 30,000 feet, the mass will fall down over your head. We don't have any oxygen in the plane. You're gonna, you have to put on the mass. Put the mass on your own ass first. Don't get up talking about it. Oh, they're the minorities back there, and the gays, midgets, humpback, anybody, one-eyed people, anybody got got, got toenail infections that need a, need a mask? <laughs> sit your ass down and take care of your own people. I love all my people, and I love you and your, and your students. So take care, and I'll see you next week, buddy. Love you too, Dr. Anderson. Everybody, tell, tell Dr. Anderson how much you love him before you head out of the chat. Just put, we love you so that we we, we, we are creating our own heroes and, and he's my greatest hero. And I hope that, uh, I hope you agree. If you agree, just uh, let, let them know in the chat because it's very important. They, they don't get to pick our heroes. We pick our heroes. Yes. We don't ask, we demand, we stand up, especially y'all black men out here. The black man is rising. We are going to continue to rise. We will not be stopped. We, we understand power. Power means pushing forward despite the opposition of others. So right. uh, ain't nobody going to stop this train. So thank you very much, Dr. Anderson, for your thank work. Thank you, buddy. So that's what power numbers mean. Power means pushing the economics for black folk. Yes, absolutely. So powernomics.com, everybody. Everybody have a good night. And uh, thank you guys for hanging out. And we will thank see you, you soon. Take care, brother. I, I, lo- I love you, Dr. Anderson. See you oh, soon. I, I'm, I'm dependent on that. Keep that attitude. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. Talk to you soon. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.